they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bar- the Bible with the Barbers. I hope you enjoyed the show just previously with Jesse and Terry on Thomas Aquinas, because right now we're going to open up our Bibles for the daily readings. And as Jesse always says, it's soul food, my love. There you go. (laughs) So why don't you read uh, from the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 and give us your take from commentaries. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now, a man there named Zacchaeus, Mm -hmm. who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times Mm -hmm. over. This said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Mm-hmm. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, here we have Zacchaeus, yes. this chief tax collector, who's a short little guy. <laughs> But he's heard about Jesus, and he's anxious to see him. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's funny, you know, sometimes in life we do things that aren't quite right or not necessarily on the outside, at least don't look like we have God in mind. But circumstances, you know, where's our will? Are we trying to follow the right path? Are we trying to change things? And Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. He wants to see him, and, and he goes so far as to climb up a tree. I love it. You know, I got to get above these people. These people are all. What are we willing to do to see Jesus? Yeah. How much are we willing to do? How much are we willing to sacrifice? So he makes a sacrifice. First of all, he makes a sacrifice of going out among these people. This this crowd of people don't like him. Remember, he's a tax collector. Yeah. And and, and we looked at tax collectors as evil people. Yeah. The the Jews did not like the tax collectors. The tax collectors were, they were collaborators with Rome. And And they took more money than they should from what I understand. Yeah. Sometimes they took more money than they should. Yeah. Really, they, they they were allowed to do that. They were, you know, Rome didn't care as long as Rome got its taxes. It didn't exactly. care what the guys did. So the people weren't didn't like them a lot. So they, you kind of you might be rich and wealthy, but you know you had to cert, kind of avoid the people. Sure. But he goes out anyway because he wants to see Jesus. And when Jesus gets to him, Jesus looks up and says, "Zacchaeus, come down. I mean to stay at your house today." Jesus just invited himself over. <laughs> I love it. Which is kind of what he does to us, right? In the first reading from the book of Revelations, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yep. You know, he's there. He's knocking. Are we ready to open the door and welcome him? Zacchaeus comes down from the tree as fast as he can, and he welcomes him with joy. Mm-hmm. He's he, he's delighted. The Lord's going to, he wants to stay with me. This is, whoa. And and the people are like, you know, rrr, 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 
you know, mm-hmm. and 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 Zacchaeus says, "Lord, I will give half my money to the poor." Wow. Whoa. I mean, how many of us were willing? You know, when we follow Christ, we're saying, "Okay, I'll give half of everything to the poor." Yeah, not now, many. He was a wealthy man, so he had extra. But but in addition to that, he said, "Anyone that I've extorted, I'm going to repay him fourfold." And that's a biblical teaching from the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was common that you have to restore it by right. fourfold. You, you restore it and, and, you, and you also to take care of the poor was a biblical yeah. teaching from the Old Testament. Sure. But, you know, and so um, it wasn't welfare. The poor had to go out into the fields and pick things up right. unless they were crippled. And then, you, you know, hopefully someone in their family could. But um, you left things in the field. When you sent your reapers out to glean your produce from the fields, you left some for the widows and the orphans to go out and collect Got it. And they were allowed to go through the field. So Zacchaeus shows us this example of trusting in the Lord. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I mean, everybody else has rejected me. Why should I even go out there and look at Jesus? I mean, she's just another Jew that's going to you know, treat me like everybody else does. But he said, no, I want to see this man. I wanna, I've heard wonderful things about him. And, and he's not disappointed. Can I throw a, a, an idea? And that is, can we see Jesus today? Yes, in the Holy Eucharist. Yes, we can. In the whole, he's definitely present among us in the Eucharist. No, that's a great thing. As he is present in heaven. What? In his risen, heaven on earth? Yes, heaven on earth. His risen, ascended, glorified body. He is present. He also said that when you serve your brothers and sisters, yep. you're serving me. So we can see him in the poor and yep. in those who need. And we we should be serving him in them. That was the one account of the last judgment that Jesus gives, mm-hmm. he said, I'll say to those who are coming to heaven, those on my right, yeah. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. Yeah, that's I was beautiful. thirsty and you gave me. So it's when you serve your brothers and sisters. And yes, we can see Jesus in the poor. We could also see Jesus in our own family members. Mother Teresa used to tell people, you know, you don't have to come to India. Go home and find the lonely person in your own home. Mm-hmm. Start serving your family. It's like, what? Amazing. Are you kidding? Yeah. Amazing. Now that we have the gospel, that's the explanation. I wanted to, I mentioned to the previous show that we were going to talk about the gospel of Mark, one of the shortest gospels out of the four in the sense of content, but a very beautiful gospel. And I'd like to ask you, Mary Danielle, to give us the setting on the gospel of Mark, where, where we understand when it was written, who wrote it, um, all the ins and outs so that we can set the stage about getting uh, the, you know, really the, the, the gold that's in that, in that gospel. So can you let us know where, what the church teaches about the gospel of Mark? Well, here's the deal. The, the author of the gospel of Mark yeah. is actually Mark. What? I'm shock of ages, right? And by the way, one of the ways we know this is they have ancient manuscripts. Yeah. And there are some modern scholars who have claimed that, oh, that they were all anonymous. Mm-hmm. But if you actually go back and look at those ancient manuscripts, none of them are anonymous. And every manuscript of the Gospel of Mark says, according to Mark. Can I interrupt? You said uh, some of these scholars. It seems like those are the same scholars that <laughs> doubt anything about the Gospel, of anything that was said. And they, kinda, they come with suspicion. And you've covered that in yeah. previous shows. But have, yeah. what does the church teach? And so the church teaches that the Gospel is written by Mark. Mm-hmm. This has been the uniform tradition of the church. Mm-hmm. Now, who was Mark? Okay. Yeah, this is good. Mark is a disciple of Peter. He's the author of the second gospel. Mark's gospel was written second, not first. Um, 
Peter's preaching is the primary source for Mark when he's writing his, he, he's, he's followed Peter. He's written down what Peter's written. He's interpreted for Peter. And now he writes down what Peter has preached. And uh, both the New Testament and the early church writing give evidence that Peter and Mark were associated. First Peter five thirteen, Peter calls Mark, my son. Um, and then um, the, it's interesting because the general outline of Mark's gospel follows the preaching of Peter. In particular, if you go to the conversion of Cornelius in Acts 10, 36 through 43, and see how Peter, it, that's a short, I mean, that's really short, compact, you know, where he, but, but if you look at it, it's kind of the outline of Mark's gospel, you know, John's baptism and, and Jesus is baptized and then he goes about curing people and, and then eventually he dies and he is buried and he rises again. So Mark fills in all the details. But it's that outline that Peter gives. And then we have, uh, in addition to that, we have several fathers of the church who attest and insist that Peter is the one that Mark is writing for. The second gospel is definitely um, that Peter was the, the one who, who's preaching Mark had recorded. Papias in 130 A.D., Irenaeus in 180 A.D., and Tertullian in 200. There's other, there are others also. And so the details about Mark's life, what's interesting is if you go to the Acts of the Apostles when Peter was imprisoned Mm -hmm. and then he gets out of prison and the angel, excuse me, the angel miraculously delivers him from prison. Where does he go? He goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name is Mark. Mm -hmm. So there's this person named John Mark whose mother's name is Mary. And apparently Mary was a wealthy widow and she used to help the apostles with her, you know, with financial, and that is apparently the place, according to the church. If you go back and read the church fathers and the the extra outside the Bible attestation, mm-hmm. that's where the Last Supper took place. Mm-hmm. Was at that house. Interesting. So John Mark, Mark the, the um, evangelist, although he wasn't an apostle, he was familiar with the apostles. He was familiar with Jesus, knew him. And and they had been to his house. Yep. Mary, we're going to come back from the break and continue with the Gospel of John. But I want to give a little Mark. shout out. Mark, excuse me. <laughs> I want to give a shout out for the um, music concert that's taking place. Yeah. December 7th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Uh, it's going to be free. We're going to do it Friday evening, uh, afternoon for the homeschoolers. And then again in the evening at 7 p.m. Uh Eric Genesis is going to be on tomorrow with the Terry and Jesse show to talk about it. Awesome. But um, I want to talk to the moms and dads. Bring the family to this. It's Amen. Free. Oh, do. We want please. you to, because what Eric's going to expose to our listeners about music and the sacredness of yes. music, and he's also going to show what uh, disordered music is. Right. It's, it's beautiful. And I, Eric makes a comment about music. I mean, nobody needs to tell you if a piece of music is happy or sad. I mean, you can listen to a piece of music. It can make you cry. Mm-hmm. You can listen to a piece of music. It can make you frightened. It, it, it immediately appeals yeah. to you. And you, you don't know. No one needs to tell you. It has a language of its own. Yeah, man. So just show up on the 7th of December. There you go. And also, just to think about, we, the last two weeks we here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, we have a 9 a.m. mass now uh, from the Anglican and converts Sunday. on Sunday we'd love to have you come it's a very beautiful mass and if you're in the area every Sunday at 9pm so I'd like to give a plug there we come back we'll talk more about St. Mark here Amen. on Virgin Most Powerful Radio 
This is Terry Barber inviting you to the upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference, January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can join us with that. Or call us at 877-526-2151. Jesse Romero will be there. Father Wolfgang will be there. And our very own Matt Arnold will be there. And I'll be the MC. Don't miss out on this wonderful event, January 11th and 12th. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We are back and excited to share with you the Bible, especially the Gospel of Mark. And if you just tuned in, the first segment we talked about who wrote the book of Mark. Right. Mark, right. And we're giving kind of the historical background, my wife is, on Mark. So let's continue our journey in understanding the value of this beautiful gospel. Well, we also know that Mark was a cousin of Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was the one who accompanied Paul on his missionary journey, his first one. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that um, on the first missionary journey, Mark actually went with Barnabas and Paul. But apparently he didn't stick it out to the end of the journey. And so he, he left them early. And you know why? This is the interesting thing. He wasn't as strong of a, you know, he couldn't handle the demands of missionary work as much. Right. So not everybody has the same constitution. No, they don't. And and what's interesting is that when Barnabas and Paul are going on their second missionary journey and getting ready, Barnabas wants to take John Mark along, but John Mark, his cousin. So yeah. John Mark is, and Paul says, nope, he left us the first time. That's right. I'm not going there, you know. <laughs> so they split up the missionary okay. task, and Barnabas takes John Mark with him, and Paul goes off on his own. Yep. But um, at some point, Barnabas and Paul are reconciled. In, Praise um, God. When Paul, when Paul was in Rome, he says that um, he's, uh, he, Mark, is very useful to me, and that's in serving me. That was Second Timothy 4.11. 
and also in Colossians and in Philemon, there's uh, evidence that that uh, John Mark is again with Paul there in Rome. So he he did go back to the missionary work. I mean, he kind of flaked out the the first journey, but then later on he comes back. So mm-hmm. and again, I mean, don't get discouraged when no. you fail. Don't get discouraged when things don't work out the way you thought. I only have one question: Did you get up? There you go. It's not whether you fell or not. It's did you get up again? So. Go ahead and get up and start again. And Amen. Hey, that's what confession's for, right? Amen. <laughs> that's what we frequent and regular, right? Yep, frequent right. and regular. So um, in terms of dating of, John, of Mark's gospel, yeah. it's pretty evident from the internal evidence that his gospel was written before the fall of Jerusalem, which, which means it was written 70 AD, right? before 70 AD. Right. Right. In Mark 13, Jesus prophesies the imminent destruction of Jerusalem. He talks about it. And in 70 AD, of course, the Romans came in and destroyed, they, they leveled Jerusalem, including the temple. And in Mark's gospel, there is no mention of this as a past event. It's told as a future event that's still coming. There's also no details given about the catastrophe. So that's, that's one um, factor from internal, internally from the gospel. Mm-hmm. There's also prominent traditions in the early church that Mark wrote his gospel during the 60s A.D. You have um, St. Irenaeus who states that Mark wrote soon after Peter's martyrdom. Or he's, what it says is in, in Irenaeus it says, Mark wrote the gospel that has been preached by Peter upon his departure. So apparently that was after Peter's martyrdom. That was in 67 A.D. Mm-hmm. And Clement of Alexandria says that Mark's he said, now Clement of Alexandria says that Mark's gospel was written before Peter's death, and Eusebius fixes that Eusebius, excuse me, <laughs> the church historian, fixes the date a little earlier. And even though they don't all agree exactly when Mark's gospel was written, they all agree that Mark's gospel was definitely written before 70 AD, before the fall of Jerusalem. Why are there certain people today who come up with this crazy idea that it was written in the hundreds? Well, it's What's interesting. Well, it seems to be about the the whole enlightenment idea that we cannot accept anything supernatural about the gospels. Oh, they're modernists. So, I get it. yeah, we that's wanna, what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. We want to explain away miracles. We want to explain away, yeah. you know, if Jesus prophesied. Well, he couldn't have prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem, so the gospels had to have been written after the destruction of Jerusalem. And that's there. There are. Theologians, scripture scholars, mm-hmm. who think that way. Okay. It's false thinking. Yeah. You're not thinking with the church. You're not thinking with the tradition of the church. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking with what the apostles have handed on to us. But it is, there's that thought out there. Okay. Well, the answer, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And apparently the audience that Mark is writing for is predominantly Gentile readers in Imperial Rome. And the internal evidence from that is Mark explains Jewish customs. If he's writing for a Jewish audience, he wouldn't have needed to explain the Jewish customs. Well, obviously. But he does explain Jewish customs. Mm-hmm. And you can check that in, in Mark 7, verses 3 and 4, and Mark fourteen twelve. Mark also translates Aramaic words and phrases. And then you've got quite of them, quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, quite yeah. a few of them. Mark three seventeen, Mark 5, 41, Mark 7, verse 11 and 35, and Mark 15, 34. So... If he was writing for a Jewish audience, he probably wouldn't have translated those Aramaic phrases. Well, he must have been a pretty smart man 
to have being able to translate. He wasn't just a farmer or I mean he had to have some formation to do that. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. And he had he had the double name, John Mark. John is his Hebrew name. Yeah. Mark is his Roman name. It's like Paul. Saul Paul, Jesus didn't change Paul's name. Uh-huh. Paul had two names. He had a Hebrew name, Saul, and he had a, a Roman name, Paul. He was a Roman citizen. And so this happened in Jewish societies. And and a lot of people in those days could speak more than one language. Yeah. And Mark apparently could not only speak but read and write. The gospel was written in Greek. Apparently he could write Greek. And Mary, didn't at that time people have amazing memories? Weren't they like memorizing the Psalms? And I mean, it, it, it was just like almost standard that people could have memorized vast amounts of the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, you know, things. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. It, you know, it, they didn't have the radio. They didn't have television. Yeah. They they didn't have a lot of external stimuli that we have. And yes, the Jews prayed the Psalms mm-hmm. every single day. So they memorized vast portions of the scriptures. And, uh, you know, in the ancient pagan societies, yes. the, the two poems by Homer, the Iliad and the Odyssey, and they were written as poems, but they had bards that would go from town to town reciting those. Wow. And the common people knew them so well that if a bard came into town and they were reciting the poem and they made a mistake, they ran them out of town. Oh, my gosh. So even the people knew them, but they would let a bard, you know, they had bards who were kind of yeah. acted like actors and they would come through and recite them with more drama. Sure. So you had, but yeah, people memorized vast portions okay. of things. It was, yeah, we don't use some ways we don't use the brain quite as much sometimes. You think? <laughs> I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. There you go. I'm having that trouble too somehow. Okay. <laughs> so another thing that Mark does in his gospel is he uses Latinized terms oh, yeah. instead of the Greek equivalents What's even. What's that significant about? What, why is that significant? That he's probably writing for people in Rome, there in you go. Imperial Rome. He's not writing for the Greeks. He's writing for the people who are in Imperial Rome. Um. And what's very, very interesting is the climax of Mark's gospel is Mark 15, 39. And it's at the foot of the cross where the Roman centurion says, truly this man was the son of God. Wow. So you have this confession by a Roman centurion Mm -hmm. of the divinity of Jesus Christ. In terms of structure of the gospel, you can... There are different ways you can split it up, and some people split it up differently. But an easy way to look at it is um, there are two major sections. Mark one sixteen through eight thirty is the first section, and then Mark eight thirty one through fifteen forty seven. And if you look at it that way, what you have in each of those sections is you have various events, healings, and a few a few speeches by Jesus, but not many. Mark wasn't real big on that. But they both climax with a confession of faith. In Mark 8.30, you have Peter's confession, you are the Christ. In Mark 15.47, you have the centurion's confession, surely this man was the son of God. And then you have a, a short prologue at the beginning, 15 verses long, and an epilogue at the end, which is a little longer. It's 20 verses. So you have... Uh, chapter 16, 1 through 20, which is the epilogue to Mark's gospel. And Mark has a very fast-paced gospel. Mm -hmm. He presents Jesus as vivid and dynamic, and he focuses on the works of Jesus. He doesn't give you a lot of his sermons. You know, 
where Matthew's got the Sermon on the Mount, and even Luke has the yeah. Sermon on the Plain, and you have a lot more teaching in, mm-hmm. in Matthew and Luke than you in, than you have in Mark. You, so is it fair to say he gives more just facts about Jesus? More facts just in terms of his mighty oh, works. Yeah, okay, got it. The mighty works that Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. Who is this Jesus? What is this? And he has a couple of sermons. He does have a couple of sermons. It's Mark 4, 1 through 32, and Mark 13, 1 through 37. Interesting. The first one is 32 verses long. The second one is 37 verses long. Matthew's Sermon on the Mount is three chapters, is it? Five, six, seven? It's three chapters of the gospel. There's nothing in Mark that's as lengthy in terms of teachings of Jesus. But the teaching is coming through, through the mighty works that he's doing. And, you know, I'm wondering if Mark's favorite word wasn't immediately. Isn't that interesting? He has a 16-chapter gospel. Guess how many times he uses the word immediately in those 16 chapters? 13. Over 40. Whoa, I'm way off. In 16 chapters, he uses the word immediately. That's interesting. Over 40 times. And Mark tries to engage his listener... Mm -hmm or his reader, with rhetorical questions. Ah. So in Mark one twenty seven, you have the people saying, what is this, a new teaching? Well, you don't, the people are astounded at what Jesus is doing, and, and so the teaching is his mighty works. Or in Mark 2.7, you have, why does this man talk like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus says, I forgive your sins. And then you have Mark 4, 41, where he says, the apostles are asking, who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. He's trying to make you think. What we, okay, this is the question. Who is this? I mean, who is this that, you know, t- who can teach on their own authority? Everybody else had to teach on the authority of God, and Jesus is teaching on his own authority. Um, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is forgiving sins. Even nature is obeying him. Who's in control of nature? God. Whoa, wait a minute. And then Jesus asked the question in 829, but who do you say that I am? And of course, that's when Peter's confession of faith comes forward. You are the Christ. And then Jesus also in 1337 says to his disciples, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And that watch kind of goes with Mark's immediately, right? Yes. Everything is right now. Everything is, you can't wait till tomorrow. You need to act on this now. And you need to be vigilant. You need to be attentive. You need to be ready. Are you ready to answer the call? Are you ready to follow? Are you ready to leave everything behind to follow the Lord? You know, the gospel of Mark is the shortest of the four gospels in the sense of reading and I would encourage our listeners, you can do it in one little setting. I mean, you can actually read yeah. the Gospel of Mark in one setting. We're going to take a break. I hear the music coming on. When we come back, we'll have more about St. Mark's Gospel and the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here at the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful. If you like us and you want to support Virgin Most Powerful, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us with a donation. We can use it right now. 877 877- Five two six two one five. We'll be right back.
Matthew Arnold here, encouraging you to go to vmpr.org to register for our upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference this January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Father Wolfgang will be speaking along with Jesse Romero, Terry Barber as MC, and yours truly, talking about spiritual warfare and the family. Protect your family now. Go to vmp.org and register for this conference. Don't miss it. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us in this little Bible study here with the Barbers. And we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark here. We're going to begin with Mark 1.1. Thank you for taking the time to study the Bible and and, uh, dive into the Word of God. Excuse me. The... um, you know, the retirement benefits are out of this world. And even in this world, the joy is unspeakable. So seriously, really do read the Bible and study it. And not so much for knowledge in terms of just head knowledge, but in terms of getting to know Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We want to know who he is as a person because he is real. He is a person and he loves us. And so we want to get in touch with that love. We want to fall in love with him. And this is what Mark did here. He, uh, and it's interesting. I, 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 in my scripture studies, I um, have come across uh, scholars who say things like, well, you know, the Gospel of John, yeah, you know, it talks about Jesus' divinity a lot. But, you know, the other Gospels, they don't really talk about the divinity of Jesus that much. Oh, really? Well, I'd like to read the first verse <laughs> of the Gospel of Mark to you. Exactly. And it says, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. Time oh, out. Oh, oh. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Not divin- no divinity. Give no divinity here? The very first verse. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yep. 
And he quotes the prophet as it was written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I'm sending my messenger before your face who shall prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and the people of Jerusalem, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel hair and had a leather girdle around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes... He who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So right away, Mark is telling us that Jesus is fulfilling the prophecies. Yes. He brings up John the baptizer who was foretold in the prophecies that he would go before the Lord to prepare the way. Mm -hmm. John is out there preaching. He's living a life of penance, extreme penance. He's eating locusts from wild honey. He wears a a camel's hair garment. And so there's nothing fancy about John. He's living in the desert. He's living in the wilderness. He's living an austere life. He's praying. He's spending his time with God. And this is all so that he can prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And he's preaching a gospel of repentance. We need to give up our sins so that we can come to know the Lord. This is what we want to do. We want to get rid of sin so that there's room in our life for the Lord. If we have sin, there won't be room in the life. So you have to crowd it out, right? Yes. As Bishop Sheen would say, crowd out sin with goodness. With goodness and with the presence of God. Invite the Lord into your heart. I mean, you know, there's some real merit into that. Lord Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. But as Catholics, we can go so much further because it's not just Lord Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. We know that in baptism, we receive the life of God in our soul. And then in the Holy Eucharist, we receive Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity so that he comes to nourish our body, blood, soul, and divinity. We become living tabernacles of the living God when we receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. And in each one of the sacraments, we receive an increase of the life of God in us, an increase in sanctifying grace. When we confess our sins, we come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry for having offended you. You know, if we commit a mortal sin, if we have the misfortune to commit a mortal sin, confession restores us to the grace of God. Mortal sin is mortal because it kills the life of God in our soul. That life of God in our soul is a gift. It doesn't, God doesn't owe it to us. He gives it as a gift and it can be lost through sin. So we want to turn back to the Lord continuously and repent of our sins not that everything's a mortal sin. Remember, if it has to be, first of all, serious moral evil. You have to know that it's serious moral evil, and you have to give full consent of your will. Exactly. You know, so I remember when I was in grammar school, and they said, well, you know, if, if somebody holds a gun to your head and says, you have to rob this bank or I'm going to kill you, is that a mortal sin if you rob the bank? Well, no, it's not, because you're not acting freely. Right. You're being threatened, sure. and your life is being threatened. You're acting out of fear. And you know, Mary, not to get off the topic, but you made a point about sin, and I want to reach out to all the men and women that have participated in an abortion. Yes. And reach out with my heart and say, repent of that sin. Yes. Because if you did this, um, and maybe the culpability for especially women with the pressure that's been given right. in our country, and you know they haven't had full consent in many times 
of their will right. to do this. They were forced to do it. Yeah. Understand that God is merciful. Right. And I would encourage anyone, even if it was 25, 30 years ago, yeah. to go to confession yeah. and, you know, confess that so that they can get that off your conscience. Amen. And that's, you know, John the Baptist came preaching a gospel of repentance. We can all repent of our sins. And like Terry said, it is so true. And Terry and I have both been involved in pro-life work for so long. And we understand most women don't choose to kill their children or let a doctor kill their children through induced abortion. Right. They want help. They're in a tough situation sure. and they're not offered help. They're right. pressured. That's right. Some of them are forced and some of them aren't even given a choice. They're, it's done totally against their will. So, but whatever your participation was, if you have to some extent consented, just say, Lord, I am sorry. Name your baby. Lift your baby up to the Lord. Ask Jesus to take your baby to his heart and then ask the Lord to take you to his heart and to show you his mercy. And he does love you. Amen. Know that you are loved. You are beautiful and good. You are made in God's image as a person to be loved. And he loves you so much. Look at the crucifix, the greatest manifestation of heaven. This is love. He loves you so much that he did this for you to say, I love you. Don't be afraid to come back and say, I'm sorry for my sins. Amen. So come to the Lord. And that's John the Baptist preached that gospel of repentance. We all need to repent. There's none of us who doesn't. Bishop Sheen was asked one time to talk to prisoners. And he's like, what am I going to say to these men? How am I going to even, how are they going to listen to me? And so he got up there and he said, gentlemen, there's only one difference between you and I. You got caught. I didn't. We're all sinners. There you go. So we're all sinners. We're all in this together. And all my life, by the grace of God, my parents took me as a child on a regular basis to confession. So it became a regular habit. And I know everybody didn't have that, but it's a great gift. And so make it, give yourself this gift, this gift of going to confession and receiving the mercy of God. I call it a holy habit. A holy habit a holy habit, and you deserve this gift. Amen. You deserve to receive the mercy of God. What, what did St. John Paul II have to say about confession? I'm getting her off right now. We'll get back <laughs> to the gospel of Mark. Mark. Well, what, it's all about repentance, right? What, what did St. John Paul II say? Remember what he said about confession, that, that it's the mercy of God is there for you each, you know, each time. It's never, he's never going to say no to you. Exactly. God doesn't get tired of forgiving us. No, he doesn't. He wants us to bring our sins to him. As a matter of fact, there was a saint, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, oh, who was a good. tremendous saint. And he had you know, given up his life to follow the Lord. He'd founded a monastery. He'd gotten many, many men to, yeah. to, to join the monastery. Sure. And the Lord said to him one day, Bernard, give me something. And he said, Lord, wh- what am I supposed to give you? I- I've given you everything. <laughs> and the Lord said to him, Bernard, give me your sins. Wow. So we don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to be afraid. Jesus already knows our sins, and he's just waiting to pour out his precious blood upon us to restore us to his life, to restore us to union with himself, to restore us to relationship. Advent's coming up. This Amen. is a Sunday for Feast of Christ the King. If you hadn't been to confession in the last 30 days, that's a long time. We should go, right? Right. Absolutely. The so church. We're, yeah. we're, if you're waiting for someone to invite you, that's my wife and I. We're inviting you. Yeah. Yeah. The church recommends to go to confession once a month. It's a good, good practice. You know, it's, I, I try and tell people, look, I, you know, what would you say to someone if they said, look, you only need to take a bath once a year. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> hey, what? 
a bath once a year. What are you talking about? You know, well, how do we treat our souls? Yeah. Well, I'll go to confession at Christmas and Easter. Well, twice a year. Okay. Can you take a bath twice a year? I don't right? think so. Yeah. I think we need to, you know, we need to, most of us, you know, a bath at least twice a week, if not every day. And how many of us even think about going to confession every week yeah. or at least once a month? Yeah. And what are we doing for our souls? We're doing more for our body than for our soul. What's it about, you know? How are we going to find the kingdom of God if we never think about and it? And that brings us right back down to the gospel of Mark. There you We're go. I love getting off on, on tangents, especially when it's about conversion and coming to Jesus Christ, because that's what we're all about. And that's what the gospel is all about. It's about conversion and coming to Jesus Christ, falling in love with him and knowing how much he loves Amen. you. So the people came out to be baptized. John tells them, there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting what John says. He says, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandal. Hmm. So John considers himself less than a slave. It was a slave's job to take the sandals off the master. Wow. And he's like, I'm not even worthy to do that. That's amazing. And yet he's the precursor. And then Jesus comes along from Nazareth of Galilee. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And again, John doesn't give us, uh, Mark, excuse me, Mark in his gospel isn't giving us a lot of details here. No. Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, and immediately, there's that word, immediately, <laughs> he saw the heavens open, and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, thou art my beloved son, with thee I am well pleased. Well, um, was that because Jesus didn't know who he was or what his mission was? You know, maybe the Holy Spirit needed to come and tell him? <laughs> no. Jesus knew who he was. He knew what his mission was. And as there's another point in the Gospels where God speaks to our Lord in public and, and people, are, oh, that was thunder. No, an angel was speaking to him. And he says, the voice didn't come for me. It came for you. So the Holy Spirit speaking is a witness to those around that this is my beloved son. God is witnessing to who Jesus is. And it's also a manifestation of the Trinity. Wow. How are we going to know there's a Trinity unless God reveals it? Well, immediately, right? Immediately. That's Mark. Okay, that's I hear Mark. the music. We're going to take another quick break. We've got one more segment to chat with you about the gospel of Mark and the beauty of Mark here at the Bible with the Barbers. And I want to mention also, if you have a question or comment, we're free to call us at 888-526-2151. We'll be back more with the Bible with the Barbers. Terry Barber, I want to invite you to the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. It's going to be fantastic. I want to encourage you to sign up by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. One of the speakers is sitting right next to me, Matthew Arnold. Matt, what are you going to be telling our folks about? I'm going to tell them about my journey into the Catholic Church because in my younger days, I was in the entertainment business. I was all involved with cult beliefs and practices like tarot cards and astrology and even channeling. And I had my own brush with the demonic. Wow. Not only Matt... But Father Wolfgang from the Opus Angelorum, popular priest, he's welcome back. And our friend Jesse Romero, my partner on the Terry and Jesse show, will be there. Don't miss it. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations 
that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. I wanted to mention the Bible study tonight at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel every Tuesday evening and on Thursdays, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Except this Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. Oh, so I I'm going to take the 1 o'clock in the afternoon off on All Thursday right. this well, week. Well, we'll let you go. But every <laughs> other, on the other Thursdays of the year, yeah. unless it's Christmas, yeah. we'll have a Bible study. Also, I want to just mention something, Mary Danielle, since it's Thanksgiving. I want to invite people to our chapel for morning Mass and Thanksgiving. Amen. No, we have a 9 a.m. Mass. Yes. Then we have an 11 o'clock Mass. And the 11 o'clock Mass is a healing Mass. The Melkite Rite Priest, Father Gabriel, will be doing a Mass of healing in honor of St. Charbel. We'll be praying for the intercession of St. Charbel. Great miracle worker. Tremendous miracles. So I would just encourage if you can join us here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, you're welcome to join us. Amen. Mary Danielle, we're talking about the Gospel of Mark. And that word immediately, you said, is in there 40 times. Wow. And it's brief. It, the briefest gospel of the four is, is right. Mark. I want to encourage everyone to sit down, maybe over the Thanksgiving holiday, and read that whole entire gospel. Yes. But it, it could be done in a setting, could it not? I think so. It's only 16 chapters. It's not real long. Yeah. And it's very fast-paced gospel. Mark yeah. is he's just moving right along. It's There's this urgency. It, yeah. it, it has to. You have to listen now, and you have to accept now. And it's like, he's standing at the door. He's knocking. <laughs> let him in. Let him in. Okay. Be about it quick. Be about it quick. Well, let's keep it going then, girl. And so um, <laughs> after Jesus is baptized, yep. then you have the spirit immediately. There you go. Drove him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. And again, without the other gospels, you wouldn't have the details of that. Mm-hmm. But within the other gospels in, in Matthew and Luke, we have the details of what went on in the wilderness and the temptation. But it's interesting because... He's with the wild beast that harkens back to Adam in the book of Genesis in the garden when he named all the animals. So Jesus here is the new Adam. And then the angels ministered to him. Well, who do the angels minister to? And again, Mark never claimed that Jesus was God. Well, wait a minute. Who do the angels minister to? In the book of Daniel, you have that Daniel has this vision of God in heaven. 
and thousands upon thousands were ministering to him mm-hmm. and myriads and myriads, the angels are ministering to God. That's it. That's the role. And so this is, you know, no, it doesn't say, oh, he was God. No, it doesn't have to. Read it with a first century Jewish reader. I Brant Petrie in his book, A Case for Jesus, oh, beautiful. talks about when he was in grad school and he had a Jewish um, professor who helped him to understand and read the Gospels, the New Testament, with a first century Jewish mindset. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like if you if you understand how the first century Jews looked at life and how they would reference God's presence. You read the Gospels and you're like, it's shouting at you. This man is God. Yeah. This man is God. And uh, it, it's beautiful. I'm, if you can get Brant Petrie's book, I, I would recommend it. Brant Petrie's awesome. You can get it from Lighthouse and Augustine Institute. Just thought I'd let you know. Thank you. Thank you. A plug, a shameless <laughs> there plug. You. There you go. We're not shamed. I know. So then what, what do we have? We have Jesus beginning his ministry in Galilee. Mm-hmm. So after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And again, that word repent. Mm -hmm. Key word. You know, we come to Jesus. We need to repent. We need to give up the sins. This is very important. And um, it was after John's arrest. Again, Mark isn't giving us all the details. He's just stating it. John was arrested. And I know some people, uh, you know, in, in studies, they talk about the synoptic problem. Well, why is there so many similarities between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but mm-hmm. so many, some differences? And, well, you know, you're talking, they're talking to different audiences. And there was this modern theory that said, oh, well, you know, Mark had to be the first gospel written because it was the shortest and the simplest, mm-hmm. which, by the way, doesn't wait. We've talked about that before on this program. That doesn't um, pan out when it comes to spiritual things, and it doesn't pan out even when it comes to writings because there are early church fathers who wrote simpler um, letters to the Christian community than the letters of St. Paul. Yeah. And so just because it's simple or short doesn't mean it was first. But second of all, then they say there was this unknown source, and they call it Q, and the reason they call it Q is because the first letter of the word source, the German word for source, it begins with a Q. It's Q. Well, well, wait a minute. Is there a possibility? Maybe. Just I'm just throwing it out there, people. This is just a question. You can okay. think about this. This is a rhetorical question you can think about. Maybe the source for all of the gospel writings was the actual historical Jesus and the life that he lived. My goodness. Could that be possible? Uh, yes. <laughs> I love it. And I think, yeah, that's what the church teaches us. It's not only possible, that's what it is. The historical Jesus is the source. So if you're looking for Q, we found Q, everybody. It's the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus of Nazareth, the real historical life that he lived while he was walking on this earth. That's the Q. That's the source for all the Gospels. Thank you for straightening me out on that. (laughs) Don't want any confusion here. So passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left. And there you go again. Immediately. There you go. They don't wait. They've been called. Immediately. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately... He called them and they left 
their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So right away, the apostles are responding. They're responding to Jesus's call. And so this is what we need to do. This is, you know, we want to respond. And again, you know, the fishermen, Peter and Andrew were partners together. And apparently, apparently the Zebedees had um, a little bit of a fishing industry because I understand. the their father had hired servants. Yep. So when James and John went to follow Jesus, their father was still continued his business. Mm-hmm. So now you have the Capernaum. Jesus in a synagogue at Capernaum. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath day, and I'm not making that up, it really does say it. You can check it out in the Gospel 40 of times. Mark. And immediately he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. He didn't say, the rabbis say, he doesn't say, scripture says, he says, I say to you, Mm. he's teaching as one with authority and not like their scribes, because the scribes have to quote another source of authority. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. So Jesus goes into the synagogue. He's teaching. And again, he's not saying the scripture says. He's saying, I say to you. His authority. And you know the, the Jews accepted the scripture as the word of God. Yep. But now, and we'll get this in the Gospel of John, but the word in the beginning was the word. Yeah. The second person of the blessed Trinity, the son of God is the word uncreated. And then in human words, God reveals himself to explain himself to man. And so he's, he's teaching with authority, but in addition to teaching with authority, you have this man with an unclean spirit and the unclean spirits cry out and Jesus silences them. Well, why is this? Yeah. Well, the Jews at the time were expecting a political Messiah. Are we all looking for a political Messiah, people? Maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Maybe we shouldn't be looking for... We need to pray for those who are raised up to lead us, our public servants, and they're supposed to be servants, and we're supposed to pray for our public officials. But they're not the Messiah. There is no human person who is the Messiah. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, Jesus the son of God who became man and took to himself a human nature. He is the Messiah and he's the one we look to, to save us. So we're not looking for a political f- Messiah to save us from the troubles of this world. Jesus Amen. is the one who saves us. Amen. And what does he save us from? He saves us from enslavement to the devil. He saves us from sin. That's why he could cast out demons. And that's why he healed illnesses is to show that number one, he is God. He has the power to do this. But he didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He comes to fill it with his presence. So all of those of us who are suffering in any way, 
we can unite all of that suffering in union with Jesus Christ because he really suffered. It wasn't make believe. Mm -hmm. He really had a human body. He really suffered. And so, and he has the authority. He has the authority to cast out demons. He has the authority to heal. He has the authority to forgive sins because why? And again, this is screaming at his Jewish audience. I am God. They're getting it. Got it. Mary, this ties into something that I haven't mentioned on the radio for a week, and that is the Deep Heart of God conference that's coming up November 30th, December 1st at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Uh, Ken uh, Nipman, he's got the jp2healingcenter.org, and people can register. Mary, this is a conference for those who have been wounded and who hasn't been wounded. Right. Can you share why people should come seriously to register for this what are they going to get out of a weekend like this well you'll get an opportunity to first of all be given hope that there is healing Mm. that god does want to heal you and also to pray together with others so oftentimes in our suffering suffering tends to isolate us and we we feel like we're alone and nobody sees us nobody hears us Mm -hmm. no and it's not true you are seen you are heard and not only does God care, but there are others who care. And there are many people praying for you. And John Paul II Healing Ministries, they go all over the United States mm-hmm. and they give healing conferences. They pray with you. They give you strategies. They teach you ways to work through the traumas of suffering. And you can go and register by going to jp2healingcenter.org. I'll repeat it. Yes. jp2healingcenter.org. To come and don't forget tonight at the at the Sacred Heart Chapel, we're going to have a Bible study with my wife on the Gospel of Mark. Amen. And you tell your friends and please consider using social media for all of our shows on Virgin Most Powerful. You know, tell your friends to join us, uh, pass it around because this is how the word spreads. And again, I want to thank you for joining us once a week for the Bible study here with the Bible with the Barbers. We're honored to have you. Mary Danielle, I like closing like I do with the Terry and Jesse show. What state should we be living in? In the state of grace. And what state shouldn't we be living in, even if for a second? state of mortal sin. All right, we got it. Virgin Most Powerful, thank you so much. If you'd like to donate some money to us, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. God love you. You You have a voice in your head. How did he know that, the voice just said? Because we all do. (laughs) And the words you speak to yourself matter a lot. Our words shape our self-perception. Our self-perception shapes our actions. Our actions shape our lives. Words are at the foundation of our whole lives. What words do you speak to yourself? The book of Revelations calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. He wants us to amplify the negative words in our heads. God reveals the truth about who we are. But he didn't do that so you wait for me to preach it to you. Preach it to yourself. When the voice within starts saying, I'm weak, used, washed up, not pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, I'll never be enough. Replace that with words like, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm beautiful. I am a son or daughter of the King of Heaven. I don't mean that figuratively, I mean it literally. Look in the mirror and preach the truth to yourself. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.